0: Wrapping up the series tonight, Highs and Lows. And the big thing that, if you were to weave a thread through this whole series, and what I would hope that you would leave knowing and that you would know for the rest of your life is that God is with you in the highs and in the lows. If you knew nothing else from this series, I want you to know that God is with you in the good moments. And God is present with you when there's not so good moments. And if we're honest, we would need to acknowledge in here something that is uncomfortable. Even though we know it, sometimes we push it aside. Which is there are times where the low moments are because we've done something to bring us low. But there are times that things outside of our control or things that seem to be happening within us that we don't understand that those are happening and bringing us low. Some of you have struggled in your past or even currently with some level of anxiety or fear or depression or anything in between, or you've had friends who have. And it's easy to say, God, you're with me in the lows, and man, I made some mistakes, and I brought myself here, and you forgave me. And that's great because there's this transaction, and it's easy to reconcile. It's a lot harder To know that God is with you in the lows when you didn't do anything to bring yourself there. And yet you find yourself in this low point. but This is where the peace of God, which transcends understanding, really begins to work. I want to read the scripture I read last week as we kind of wrap this up. And then we're going to have a chance to hear from Alyssa and hear some of her story tonight and and pray. And uh, it's going to be awesome. But uh, Philippians 4 says this says, Philippians 4 and uh, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, and by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends. Turn to your neighbor say, transcends. transcends. Which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. I'll end it there. Now, last week it goes on to say, uh, you know, whatever, whatever's true, whatever's noble and just and praiseworthy of good report, all of these things, think about this kind of stuff. Focus on it. And we talked about the power of what you dwell on. I hope, I hope that if you weren't here last week that you get the podcast and listen to it and hear some of Cameron's story. And, and we talked about the power of, of what you dwell on. And you cannot change your reality, Right? Sometimes you can set up your future reality, but like where you are right now, you can't rewind. So whether you got yourself there or not, whether your girlfriend was Alicia and she broke up with you uh, at three in the morning on an AOL instant messenger for Zach, who was my best friend at the time, it, that, 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 I did not cause that. Although, you know, maybe there was something that I was doing that was like causing her to not like me anymore. I don't know. But, like, I cannot change my current reality. I'm right here. It is real. Whether I like it or not. But I can change what I dwell on, what I meditate on, what I sit on, what I hold on to, which then can change my future. Because what you look at is where you tend to go. And so what we need to understand is that you can't change your past. You can't necessarily change your right now, but you can change what you begin to focus on, what you meditate on, what you hold on to, and that will begin to change and shape your future. And what it says is the promise that God gives is that the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will rule your hearts and minds. I want to focus on this idea just for a moment as we tee Alyssa up. This idea of the peace of God, Paul says it, when, when you pray and when you give thanks and you let God know what you need, then, then in that moment you will experience, experience the peace of God, which transcends understanding. like I, we were talking about math earlier, right? like I will never really know to a real like good extent what what math is. Like I don't. I don't like math. I would not give my life for math. I used to want to be an architect, but it was really just because I liked looking through the real estate books. You don't know what those are, but that's what you found in Mexican restaurants <laughs> and, in, like, and grocery stores. I would grab them every time. And I would look for, I would look for all of the houses that had three-car garages and were over 3,000 square feet. Because I was fascinated by the... And I was like, I want to be an architect because I like houses. And then I learned that you have to do math. And I said, I don't want to be an architect anymore. (laughs) Because I don't under... Like, I get the basic stuff. But, like, there's a point past about seventh and a half grade that I stopped understanding it. And I stopped wanting to learn about it. So I just said, I'm going to stop now... Really caring. Now, I'm not giving you an excuse to go fail your math, but I was not a mathlete. I'll just leave it at that, okay? And so, but my understanding of math does not change the function of math. Like, my ability to get math does not change whether math works or not. Math worked before I was around, and math will work after I am gone. I hope you're understanding this. Because sometimes what we do is we limit what is outside of us to what we understand of it. Like if I perceive something to be true or I perceive it to be um, like something that I cannot understand, it does not change the reality that it is. So my understanding of math, like there are some people that, that are in here, like you're in like trigonometry and calculus and All of these fancy words that I don't even know what they mean. People made them up to describe things that don't make sense. But, like, I I don't get it. But the people that are in it, they say, no, no, no. Even though you don't understand it, I need to let you know that this actually works. And that it actually helps you to understand, like, there's all of these These things that when you understand it, it works in in, in different fields and and in video games and design and in in architecture and all of these things. And my understanding of it does not change the fact of whether it works or not. And what you need to understand is that the peace of God works the same way. Your understanding of peace does does not determine whether peace works. Because it's actually at the end of your understanding that peace begins to work. Here's what it says. You'll do all of these things, you know, pray and give thanks and all, and, and that kind of stuff. And he says, wh- let God know what you need. And then in those moments, you will experience the peace that transcends understanding. And that word transcend means this, and I'll end. means to surpass and thus take authority over or to outlast. Transcends means to go to the end of what you understand and then keep going. It means to go to the end of what you are capable of and then take control. For something to transcend what you know, it means it has to be more true than what you know to be true. What I'm here to tell you is that the peace of God is more true than anything that you've experienced in life. Your dark or your good moments, the peace of God is more real. And yet, it's so real that you can't actually fully understand it and this is the thing that we make the mistake in is that I need to understand peace I need to understand my situation I need to be able to explain and and talk about and and fully articulate everything that is going on in me and God is saying nope that's not what I promised you I didn't promise you understanding I promised you peace and the peace of God only works when we give up our right or our need to understand it and God wants you to know that when you are in your lows or when you are in your highs, that though you may not ever understand everything happening in your world, what you can receive is what he has promised, which is peace that goes beyond what you know. Come on, are you thankful tonight that God gives you peace no matter what? Are you thankful tonight that because of Jesus, in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of political unrest, in the midst of things going on at your home, in the midst of loss and pain, that you can have peace right in the middle of it. You can have peace. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand, but I know there's some people in here who you, you deal with things. And I'm not trying to be heavy or anything like that, but it's just the nature of life, isn't it? You're dealing with stuff and, and maybe you're confused or you have some problems in your mind and you're, you struggle with it. But God wants you to know That in the midst of that, he does not promise you an immediate fix, but he promises you peace. And when in that peace you choose to dwell, not on what you see, but on what you know to be true and the goodness of God, you will begin to see your future reshaped. Amen? You give it up one big time for Alyssa Murray.
1: Thank you, guys. Well, my name is Alyssa. For those who haven't met me, hey, girl. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Wednesday, halfway through the week. Whoop! So my name is Alyssa. I've been a part of this church for, man, how many years has it been? I think about six years. And I actually came to this church by an invite by Susie Ned's. And Michaela McLean, some of you may know who they are. And I signed up for summer camp literally two days, two days before it started. So, all you guys, I know we just said that summer camp's coming up. Our launch night will be here eventually soon. It's almost spring. Um, It's never too late to sign up. So, once we get to that point, sign up, go. Your life will be changed. And I currently go to the University of Washington. I have less than two weeks left till I have my degree. I am so excited. Thank you. Thank you. So, everyone, I was in your seats, literally, in your seats. When am I ever going to go to college? How am I going to get there? And I really had a unique journey getting to the place that I am now. But I'm so thankful that I'm almost done. I'm really excited. And senioritis, not going to lie, it comes back around once you're in college, too. It doesn't end. Any seniors in here, you're, like, feeling the senioritis? I feel you, man. I have it again. I thought it was over once I left high school. Well, hasn't this series been amazing? I'm so thankful to have the opportunity tonight to share some of my stories, some of the stuff that I've walked through um, and overcome, and some of the stuff that I'm still dealing with. I love what Cameron shared last week. Do you guys remember the cycle? Starts with endurance. What's the next one? Okay. Endurance, character, hope. Yes. I love it. I think that's so good. And what he said was so poignant, because as you've been hearing our stories, the past couple weeks, the past month, we're not, we're not finished yet. None of us are, are done after we get out of high school becoming the person who God is calling us to be. We're always growing and changing, and that's what life is like. And that's what life is like um, being a Christian. So I've gone through the endurance, character, and hope process so many times, and I'm going to continue doing that for the rest of my life. So we're all in the same boat there. Well, tonight I'm going to start with John 10. So if you want to turn to John 10, we're going to get going. John 10. And once you're there, say John 10. 10. Yay. Okay, we're almost all there. Sorry, I didn't tell them my scripture, so it might not be on the screen. But I'm starting in verse 25. John 10. Okay, I'm going to read it. I want you all to listen up, because I don't know if we're going to have it on the screen, because I didn't tell them. So my bad, sorry. So Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's just pray tonight as we get into this. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into this place and experience you. Not everyone gets this opportunity, so we're thankful to be in this house tonight. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you speak through me. Some of these topics are are really tough, and they're hard to unpack. Um, So I pray that we can leave tonight knowing that there's people that have walked through the same thing as us. We're not alone. And God, you are with us every single day. And we say these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you guys know, we've been talking about stories of our life, the highs and lows. And I'm going to share a story about my life. And this is one of the low stories of my life. So I went to Tahoma High School. Go all the bears. I was talking to someone. I think Leadership Retreat just happened this past weekend. Did anyone go? Yeah? Okay, okay. I loved Leadership Retreat. I was a part of that. And they just renamed it to what it's so cheesy we say we're all Tahomies in the bear den and I'm like why why can't they come up with a new a new phrase because when I see someone I graduate and we say that we don't say that endearingly like we're proud we say that as it's a joke but it's okay I love Tahoma I had a great experience It was fun. So when I was in high school, we um, had different, like, different schools pretty much. They just changed it so you would go freshman through senior year. And now, um, or when I, no, yeah, they just changed it to that. When I went, it was 10th grade through 12th grade. So freshman year, you really didn't think that it was going to go on your transcript until you graduated and you realized, yeah, it does go on your transcript. But it's okay. Things work out. So I showed up to my high school Sophomore year, actually feeling like a high school student, um, and kind of experienced my freshman year and my sophomore year. I remember thinking, wow, there's so many cool opportunities to get involved. I'd always been one that I'm a little bit of a, I just have that achiever personality. Anyone of three on the Enneagram? You guys know that? It's a personality test. I think it's really great, but I'm not like super cuckoo about it. But it's true. Totally an achiever right here. Pretty much the definition of it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can get involved with ASB and DECA and Leadership Retreat and uh, FBLA and all these different things, which I loved. All those clubs. It was so much fun. Brought so much good opportunities to me. And when I showed up on my first day of school... You know, I'm a sophomore, so I decided to get my hair done. First time I ever had highlights was when I was going into sophomore year. Got my braces off, and I started getting some male attention. I hadn't experienced that before because freshmen listen, ew. But I was showing up, first day, like ready to go. So ready for everything that the year is going to bring me. And it brought me a lot of stuff, some of the things that I didn't really want to experience. But all in all... I was walking throughout my year, you know, you had the fall. And I started ramping up some of those um, things that I was doing, activities. I was on the swim team. That was awesome. Really good. And I started to get really sick um, before practice. Like my stomach would hurt so bad. And we couldn't figure it out. I would go to the doctor or whatever. And now I know that I started to literally get physical anxiety when I was going into practice. I had a really great coach, but very hard coach. So I would just get so nervous and stress myself out so bad because I wanted to do so good and show up the best that I would literally get these stomach aches that were actually root of anxiety. Um, But we didn't know that at the time and the doctors couldn't figure that out. So I just kind of kept going throughout my year and started doing more and more activities. The holidays come around. And my craziest month of the year is not actually the holidays, at least in high school. It was in March, which is this month, which is kind of ironic that I'm talking about this. But March was the most insane month for me because I had Leadership Retreat, right? So awesome. It just happened last weekend. And then um, DECA, I was a part of that. It's like a business club that you do. It's awesome. I love it. Like, go do it. It's great. If you're interested in that, it's a great opportunity. But you would do like a sales conversation competition or something. So you would have to prepare um, different, like you sign up for different categories or whatever, and then prepare and then speak to business leaders and try to like go to nationals. So there was some weight to that. Um, it took some time and preparation. And then also going into sophomore year, I did, I found out, oh, AP classes exist. I've never taken any of those before when I was a freshman. So let's just take three of them. That'll be awesome. So I took three classes, and if you have ever taken an AP class, you know that once you kind of get towards spring break and past midwinter break, you're starting to prepare for your exams. That, man, I can tell you now, I hate exams, and those exams were the worst. But you're starting to prepare, and I took AP European History, which is really hard. (laughs) It's awesome. Great class. But it's really tough. And I didn't know that it was going to be the level of work that it was um, before I took it. So yay. So anyone thinking about taking it, great class. But it's a lot of work. Just prepare around that. So I'm, you know, I'm doing a leadership retreat. I'm doing DECA state. And then, guess what? I'm a part of another club in a state competition the same month. So I have three weekends back-to-back of leadership retreat, state competition, another state competition, And then it was also my 16th birthday. Later that month, my birthday is March 28th. In case anyone is wanting to give me a gift, I'm just kidding, but it's coming up. I'm so excited. I love anyone. Love birthdays. Good. Okay, who are the gift givers in this room? Who are the gift receivers? Okay. Yeah, I'm both. So, I'm excited. I love birthdays. I love anything to celebrate and give someone a gift. But I had my birthday, and your 16th birthday, you know, it's exciting. I was doing driver's ed. Oh, I forgot that. I was doing driver's ed in all this midst of all these things. So you get the point. I was going through a lot of stuff. And once I approached my 16th birthday, I just started to feel really, really weird. Like something is truly off with me. I don't know what it is. I don't feel like I'm thinking right. And I was almost blinded to it. And my parents didn't really know what was going on either. And I didn't really show any signs of depression or anxiety before this time. I I wasn't feeling depressed. I didn't feel like I couldn't get out of bed. No, I was getting out of bed. I wasn't sleeping because I had so much stuff to do. And because I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't feeling good and wasn't nourishing my body with the right foods. So I'm just starting to kind of deteriorate without even realizing it. And we roll around to my 16th birthday after this crazy month, crazy month of stuff, and there's like guy issues with woven in through all this stuff, right? I'm just kind of falling apart without even realizing it, just falling like someone else is taking me on this journey, and I'm, I'm not even in control of it. My 16th birthday comes around, and my parents were so gracious, and they took my family um, to Seattle, like a little staycation, and I remember walking around Seattle on my 16th birthday with my mom and literally, like truly seeing different colors and thinking that there is deeper meaning. So I would see red and I would think it was like evil and I would start to feel scared or I would see like blue and it's a beautiful color or something. All in all, my brain is literally going down a downhill spiral really quick and very, very immediate. Um, so we tried to get me in to see a counselor, and if anyone's ever seen a counselor or a psychiatrist quickly, it's almost impossible. It's really hard to see someone in like the mental health arena um, quickly. So we eventually get into a counselor, and they're saying, "Okay, her serotonin levels and XYZ are really bad." And I remember having this conversation with this counselor that I hadn't ever met before, and. Saying things and knowing like my brain, something is wrong with my brain, and i don 't know how to get back to who I am or what I would normally say and eventually, um, I needed more help than just a counselor could give me. I was really going downhill really quick, like I mentioned i wasn't eating i wasn't sleeping that much, I was really falling apart, so all in all um, I voluntarily um, checked myself in um, with, like, my parents' help and encouraging me to do this into a mental health hospital, so other a mental institution. And I spent five days there my sophomore year, and it was right before spring break. So this is a huge part of my story. And I, I remember walking into that place and just thinking, like, I know I belong here, but also I don't feel like I belong here. And I remember walking in, and there's so many rules, and you're in a small twin bed with two other people sleeping next to you. And I remember the girl sleeping next to me um, would try to steal, like, spoons, literally spoons from the kitchen, plastic spoons, mind you, from the kitchen to open up her cuts at night. And the other girl sleeping next to me had pictures on the wall of literally demons, and said, don't believe them. And I'm sleeping there in the middle like, whoa, I've gotten to this point. I didn't take care of myself enough to, I, I really, I came to this point and I need this help. So it was a crazy time being there, but I embraced the tools that I was given. We had like little different classes and art and all this stuff. And I was able to take just a huge back back step from everything that I was experiencing at school and all the pressure I was putting on myself um, to do all these things in this like crazy month that I should have said no to something. And I was able to get those tools and ultimately feel a lot better leaving that place. But also a kind of funny thing while i was there i'm sitting in like one of our like classes and literally this guy walks in and he's from my high school and i remember thinking wow <laughs> what the heck What is he doing here? Why are we both here? Uh, And also, what is he going to think about me? Is he going to talk about other people at school and tell them that I've been here? Because I was so insecure about being there. And also, I had, like, a leadership role in my school. I was ASB something, like, at that time. Um, I was worried about what people were going to think about my story. And also, like, thought, wow, I'm not alone. Like, there's literally someone else in the same spot um, where I'm at, and I know them. So it's pretty crazy. Um, And I look back on this season and there's a a lot of things that I've thought about since this happened to me. This happened, well, if I've been here like six years, that happened to me about eight or nine years ago. Um, And that's kind of crazy to say because I wish that I could say eight years ago I could get up on a stage and tell my story. Tell you guys that this is something that I've experienced, that I walked through. But that wasn't the case. I was so wrapped up in what other people thought about it and felt like I didn't have control over it. But we all have stories in our life. And some of the things that we go through and some of the things that we experience, we're not in control of. If you've ever been abused in any way, shape, or form, you're not in control of that. If your parents are going to get a divorce or they're walking through that season, you're not in control of that. If you're just having these different things that happen to our life, you're not, you're not in control of it. And sometimes we don't fully understand why this happened to us. That was really my struggle. I'm like, couldn't figure out, God, why, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you just save me? Why wouldn't you just pluck me in, you know, January and tell me like, hey, don't keep doing this, or this is where you're going to end. But that didn't happen for me. Why did this happen to me? Does anyone, has you, have you ever questioned why? Why God? I, yeah, okay. We question that and that's okay. But the amazing thing is that God has the answers. And there's things in his word that we can stand in. I don't know why this happened to me. I don't know why XYZ. I can look back and I can see certain details of like, yes, I should have taken better care of myself. And I realized that, okay, I can get really anxious sometimes. And I didn't know that um, at that time. And I need to create safeguards in my life so that I don't go to that place again. Because I'm not inferior of going back to that place. But I do know through God, there's some key scriptures that I want to highlight as we're taking this series and we're wrapping it up. I think this is one of the most important series that we probably could ever do because I wish that I had someone like myself tell me their story. I really didn't. I didn't have a true mentor when I was in high school when I was going through this dark season. I didn't have the opportunity that every single one of you have from the front to the back. It doesn't matter where you're sitting. You have the opportunity to understand that us as leaders, as adults, we go through the same stuff, and we're not done. So I want to encourage us as we just wrap up tonight, as we wrap up this series, to know that we're not alone, and God's word speaks to this. In John ten ten, it says that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Isn't that the truth? Don't we feel anxious right now because of like a flu virus pretty much going around? Like the devil's going to try to do anything in our regard to always make us think that we're not connected to God, that God's not in control. But God says, I came to give life and life more abundantly. That's in John 10.10. 10. John 10.28, 10, it says, I give them eternal life. This is what we just read earlier, before we like right as we started. I gave them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Maybe some of you guys tonight don't even feel like you're in God's hand. You don't even feel like you're at that point. Well, this scripture is speaking directly to you. No one can snatch you out of God's hand. God made you beautifully and wonderfully made. You're already in his hand. No one can take you out of that. No life story, no circumstance, no abuse, no neglect, no failing, no overachievement can take you out of the grace of God in Romans 8 38 it says I am convinced everyone say convinced okay we can do better than that come on convinced okay okay I think we believe it a little bit more now and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love Nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Come on, someone say that that's the truth. Neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow can, let's see, I don't want to mess it up, not even. The powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Wow, not even the working of the devil in your life, not even the thing that you are struggling with can separate you from God's love. Not even my story and how much I struggled can separate me from God's love. That I didn't need to continue achieving to feel God's love, that I didn't need to hide and act like this didn't happen to me to experience God's love. That's not the truth. God says that he is with us at all times, and no one, no one, no thing can snatch you out of the hand of God. In Psalms 139 and verse 14, it says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That is um, talking about us. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My soul knows it very well. And I think the thing that is so important that I really look back and I wish I knew is that as Christians, we have the power to tell our stories how they're going to work in our life. We have the power to give them high value, negative value. Attention or positive attention. God's word talks about this. In Romans 8, 28, it says that God causes everything to work together for good. For the glory of God and those who are called according to his purpose. So you who are facing what feels like mountains in front of you. They are Mountains. I'm not here to say that I'm completely over everything that I've gone through. I'm not here to say that everything you've gone through, you just need to have the best positive look out like at it. That's not that's not what we're saying up here. But what we're saying is there is a God that overthrew the grave. And if he can do that, he can do that in your life, in your story. That there's come on, let's give it up for that. That there is more to come in your world, and he's not finished with you yet. He's not. He's not finished with us. He's not finished with your pastors who are older than all of us. Love you guys. But they're older. You think that, okay, God's got them in such a good place right now. No, God's not done with any of us. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've gone through or what you haven't gone through. God's not done with us yet. He is not done with us yet. So I want to give us a couple key thoughts about how we can think about our stories, how we can think about the things that we go through and what God and how he's in the midst of that. It says in his word that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Isn't that the truth? And I want to encourage you, anyone that's out there that is like me, I really, really struggled. I didn't tell anyone in high school what I'd gone through. Right after I had a small, small group of friends um, also at the time that were literally the worst influence ever. Yo, if you got bad friends in your life and you know they're bad influences, just get rid of them. Trust me, I'm serious. I had some crazy friends. If I brought them around to church, like, I'm, I don't even know what they're, I don't talk to them anymore, so I don't know what their lives are like. But if I brought them today, you'd be like, what, she's friends with those people? Yes, I was, but eventually I got them out of my life. So encouragement, like, if you know, uh, we talk about the quote of show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, man, at that time, before I kind of went through all of these Things that I had gone through in going to the hospital, um, I didn't know that quote. And not saying that if I got the, those friends on my life that I wouldn't have had to go through the things that I did. But I think it was a factor. I had bad influences me and on me and around me. So all that to say, get rid of your bad friends. <laughs> You'll get new ones, I promise. I promise. Eventually they will come, but we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So the first point I want you all to write down is one, God calls us into who we need to be. He calls us into who we need to be. So after I went into the inpatient hospital that I was at, I had, a, I had a long road of recovery ahead of me. I had to figure out what medication was best for me in that season of my life and um, walked with a psychiatrist and also a counselor for many years. And I still see a counselor today, guys. Counseling is one of the best things that you can do. If you know that you need an outside opinion, go do it. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in just talking to someone that has an outside opinion of your life. I still do that today. But I really struggled. And I, like I mentioned, I struggled talking about it. I truly didn't start opening up about my story until after I was in high school. And the moment that I opened up that door... People and students started flooding towards me, students that had the same story as me or had experienced certain things. And I was like, wow, God, okay, I I feel like I need to share this with people. And once I started doing that, I was able to allow people into my world, and we were able to support and encourage each other. So I felt like, no, if I say that this is a part of my story, I'm not going to be who God calls me to be but that's the complete opposite of the truth. Anything that you've gone through in your life, there's a plan and a purpose for it. And like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, that God is, has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's gonna use it for good, like it says in Romans. So if you face something and you feel like, man, I just can't be a Christian because I really struggle with this, or I've had to go through so much stuff, does God even exist? Am I going to be able to share the things that I've done or the things that I've experienced with anyone, let alone a crowd of people? And to that, I just say, like, God calls us into who we need to be. But the first step is we have to accept him. We have to accept accept him. We don't need to be worried on whether we are good enough, smart enough, wise enough, that we have a clean enough past. God is going to come And he's going to use everything for good. He calls us into who we need to be. My second point is our insecurities are not counted in the kingdom of God. Our insecurities are not counted in the kingdom of God. My question for you guys tonight is, do you know how valuable you are? Do you know how valuable you are? I think some of us might have a skewed perspective tonight because of the things that have been spoken over us, said to us, the expectations that we place on our own self or the expectations that our parents place on us or your school. But we are so valuable to God. Our story isn't tainted. It's, not, it's a little dented, but the great thing is God comes and smooths out the edges As we grow closer to him, we're not torn to shreds. God pieces us together in his name so that we can bring glory to him wherever we go, whether it's in your school or in your family. And you might say, well, I'm the only Christian in my family, and I don't even know if I define myself as a Christian right now. Do you know that God can break the chains of your family, break the chains of addiction that has gone throughout your family line for forever divorce? He can do that. He's the power to do that. Our insecurities are not counted in the things that God wants to do through us. He's probably going to play on in our insecurities the most and say, no, I'm going to use you for this. You know, you're really insecure about speaking your story or telling your testimony. I'm just going to give you the right opportunity to share it because then we're going to be able to speak from a pure spirit of intent and share exactly what we're going through. So my hope for you tonight too is that, you guys know that we are not, none of us are alone. We're all in this together. And then I just want to invite the band up as we get ready to close. And we're just going to have a moment in a little while to really press into this, to allow God to speak to us, to maybe break some of those chains that you're feeling. My third point, it's so simple, but I think it's the most important one. And it's called surrender. Surrender. In my life, in my walk with God, that's probably been one of the most important words to me. I don't know about you. I know we have all amazing personality types in here. But for me, I am definitely a little bit of a controlling personality. I like to have control of my life. I like to have control of my next step. I like to have control of where I'm going tomorrow, which can cause worries, right? Can cause worries for tomorrow. So I have to remind myself to surrender, to know, okay, God, you still got me. God, you brought me through this season. God, you're going to bring me through that next one. Like Cameron talked about last summer, our house caught on fire. Didn't, that happens to people, by the way. People's houses do catch on fire. And I never thought that that would actually happen to me, but it did. So it was hard. It was so hard. And that week, just to give you a quick um, scope of it, Cameron had a small surgery planned that week. My brother was graduating from high school. All my girl students who I had kind of walked through or walked with for three years or four years were graduating high school, attending so all their, their parties. All, all my family is on the East Coast and the Midwest. They're all in town for my brother's gradu- graduation. I have one more paper due at UW and I'm starting an internship at Amazon in five days. And my house caught on fire. Thank you. Thank you. But, man, that was the worst week of my life. It was crazy. It was so crazy. And in those moments when you're not in control of what's going on around you, when some outside circumstances invaded your life, you have to just know and press in and have faith that God is with you, that you can surrender to him and believe God. Okay, You're only going to give me what I can handle. I can't believe I can handle all of this right now, but I'm going to surrender to you and know that you are God, that you're going to work all things for good, that you're going to work this crazy week for good. And I want you to write this down. Surrender means to allow God in enough that he can come and transform us by renewing our mind. I want to read that again. Surrendering means to allow God in enough, in enough to our hearts, to our space, that He can come and transform us by renewing our mind. When we surrender, when we feel that prompting of, okay, I need to come to the front and receive prayer, or I'm going to raise my hands uh, in worship, and I've never done that before, I'm going to step away from the people that I'm normally standing next to during worship to actually see if I'm going to hear something from God we're doing the part that we can do, right? In a practical sense, we're doing the part that we can do. And God's gonna come in and do what only he can do. And let me tell you, the things that God can do are transformational. He can change your life in a moment, but what we have to do is step across the line and accept that he is the power to do that in our world. And I know when we do that, God's gonna meet us. We We can't heal ourselves. But God can. It's hard for us sometimes to define our own worth, but God does. We can't free ourselves from sin, but God can. And we can't see the path forward. But who can? Yeah, God can. Another definition I want you to write down of surrender this is in the Greek. And it's to yield to the power of another. another, To yield to the power of another. Or to give up possession of. You know, some of us in this room, we really do struggle with anxiety or depression. And I think now, it's always been hard to struggle with that. But there's so many of us that are struggling. And sometimes we, I'm just going to be honest, we use it as a crutch. Oh, I can't do this because I have anxiety. But my question for you tonight is, have you tried to surrender it to God, to give up possession of this thing and let God possess this in your life? Have you given up the ability to hold this so close and released it to him? I'm not saying that you're going to be healed instantly or all these things are going to happen, but you're going to be freed within your own mind to know that this thing isn't controlling you anymore because when you're possessing something, you're controlling it. And that's not what God designed for us to do in our life. Our, God designed us to give our lives to him and he will make our path straight and we trust in him. So, what his word says in Proverbs. So I want to invite us to stand tonight. And we're going to get ready to worship in a moment and pray. Just invite everyone to stand from the front to the back. And just invite us to close our eyes in this moment. Some of us came in through those doors back there tonight. But this place, is, this place is powerful. This is the house of God. He comes and meets us where we're at, and we can walk out those doors differently than the way we came in. And that's my prayer for us tonight. Some of us need to give up possession of the lows and the highs in our life. We need to release that to God. I'm gonna invite our leaders forward to the front at this time as well, our leaders to pray for students in a moment. Some of us need to start living for him. We need to make that decision tonight. Some of us are so consumed with everything that's going wrong. We haven't even thought about giving God a a chance, giving him a thought, thinking about living for him. We can do that tonight. Some of us need to know the truth and the power to understand that God works all things for good. He works your story for good. He works your pain for good. He works your family tree for good. Your addiction, the things that you've struggled with. He's going to, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. To bring prosperity to it, to not bring darkness. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came to give life in life more abundantly. If you feel like you want to receive prayer in one of these areas, you need to commit your life to Christ. You need to release possession over these things of your life that you're not even in control of and allow God to control them for you. If you want to know your value in Christ, and you want to receive prayer for that, I want to just invite anyone forward in this moment, just come forward.